Hello, cinephiles, and welcome to Silver Screen Sips, a podcast where three idiots talk about movies. And today we're going to be diving into Jurassic World Dominion. But first, we also want to welcome our very special guest today, Mr. Michael May. Hi. Mr. May, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you all? Pretty good so far. All right. <laughs> Long day. Long I just day, I, yeah. I had a I had a shoot all day, so I just got back. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, I just got off work uh, 40 minutes ago. Yep. That's the life, man. Yeah. Um, Michael, or do you go by Mike? Do you care? I go by Michael. Yeah. Michael. Yeah. Okay. I won't, I won't, you know, be offended if you call me Mike, but I, I respond. You can call Lewis Big Lou. That's what Big we call Lou. him. Oh, I love it. Big I love Lou. it. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he's known as, at least, or among pretty much everyone. <laughs> so. so it's a personality can thing. Can I ask you guys a question real quick? Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are, did I read that you're based in Tampa? Is that right? Um, I am. You are. We're kind of all over Florida, but yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, where else in Florida are you? Uh, West Palm Beach for Isaiah, and I'm in Sunrise in South Florida. Okay, cool. I, I ask because I'm from Winter Haven in Polk County originally. Oh, okay. That's yeah. not far <laughs> from here. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And my family lives in Orlando, so. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Are you still in Florida? Or are you? No, no. I've been in L.A., since 2001 so oh wow how is the la life because like yeah I, I have a friend yeah no i make that noise but i honestly love it i've loved it ever since i moved out here and mm -hmm. uh it, it's it's an interesting town and what's funny about it is i have a lot of friends that end up moving here they don't like it they're like oh no new york's better for me or san francisco or wherever else and i actually prefer la because la has these little nooks and crannies or neighborhoods that all have specific feels and energies and cultures and styles uh that you're always learning about i've been here 20 years and i'm still kind of learning about different areas of town so oh yeah that's one of the things i like about it oh that's good yeah i had a, a friend or i have a friend that she just moved from L.A. to Tampa. So she's she tells me about all of her experiences. And I, it's yeah. not my kind of uh, scene, but it's fun to hear all the stories. That's for sure. It's not an easy town, but it's uh, I, I, mm -hmm. like, I like it. I barely survive here in Tampa, so <laughs> I can't imagine how I would be there. But um, why don't we start off? Why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, what you've done in <laughs> Uh, film it as a whole. Sure, sure. I God, I, I hate talking about myself, but I do appreciate <laughs> the question. Uh, so I started as an actor. I always wanted to be an actor and director since I was very, very little. Um, and I didn't know how to get into film because I wasn't around it. So I got involved with theater first. Mm -hmm. and I, mm -hmm. and I, I left home when I was a teenager to study acting in Michigan. Um, but I, I, came out to L.A. because that was where, you know, that's where that's where it happens. So they say. So I moved to L.A. when I was 18 and I went to film school at UCLA, but I dropped out because I was auditioning as an actor and I was trying to get work at production companies. Um, but since then, I've done a little bit of everything because I just love I love movies. I love movies and TV. Mm. I'm very enthusiastic about it. So I've done a little bit of everything, mainly to survive. Like you can't, unless you hit it big and make some giant break, you kind of have to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, so I've produced, I, I'm, I've mainly paid bills through producing, but I do act and direct still. 
I've produced features. I worked for a film fund for a while. I formed a, a company called Fun Size Horror that did a bunch of digital shorts and anthologies. And we also produce stuff for people, which a lot of people don't realize. Um, and then the last four or five years, I've actually been doing TV. I've been hosting and producing a couple of shows for the Motor Trend TV channel, which mm. is part of Discovery Networks. It's part of that all that big thing. Um, and those just wrapped in February last year. So I've been spending a year to actually just develop content for myself. Yeah. And so I took a break. So I turned down some work producing some movies um, and have just been developing content. And I have a podcast now because I've always wanted to do podcasts like you guys. They're like fine. I've yeah. to, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I have a podcast called A Study of Strange that I started. And I was like, you know what? I, I kind of know what I want to do, but I also don't. And I'm just going to basically make mistakes on air, if that makes sense, because why not? You know, like, why not just get out there and create something? Uh, and honestly, I've liked it more than I even thought. So I've really, really yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, I've done a little bit of everything. So and I can tell people later at the end of the show where to find some stuff. But uh, but yeah, I do a little bit of everything hmm. is kind of the simple answer. I mean, that that's kind of what I think is great about film too is that you can kind of like there for me too I feel the same way that there's not ever been one particular field in film that I gravitate towards I'm kind of like a a jack of all trades I like to do a little bit yeah. of everything so like I I but I obviously haven't done as much as you have uh, <laughs> but but yeah, that's definitely um, you will. You will, and uh, I'm, I'm just day. assuming I'm older than you guys. Can I ask how old everybody is? Louis is, is the oldest. Well, I shouldn't say probably. He is the oldest. <laughs> I, I turned 29 this year. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so I'm I'm 40. So I've just been around longer. Um, right. But no, and honestly, nowadays with the way the business is now, and with content is is everywhere and you have to kind of be able to make content everywhere. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to do everything. And the shows I produced for Motor Trend, which is autobiography and autobiography cold cases, we had to do everything. Like there's days where we'd be shooting scenes and it would be me and a co-host and no one else. So we'd be yeah. setting up cameras, we'd be lighting it, we'd be running sound. So you have to kind of know a little bit of a little of bit everything. of everything. You yeah. never know. They're going to the day you're on set, they'll just be like, oh, can you be second AC real quick for us? Yeah. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I'm a terrible cinematographer. Like, I know what I want it to look like. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can't light. I've never been someone that can figure out exactly how to light something. So, yeah, that's, that's tough. That's all right. That, yeah. That's, yeah. There's there's always that one that one thing you cannot cannot get down. Mm -hmm. Um. So I guess what we'll start with then is our uh, week in Hollywood. Lewis? We'll get to that in just a second. I did want to throw in that there is a reminder that there are spoilers ahead for movies and TV shows that you may not have seen yet. So just know that you've been warned. That does count for Dominion, but it also counts for anything else we decide to reference. Um, and then just as a fun fact about myself, I'm the only one here who doesn't have a background or is going to have a background in film beyond this podcast. Uh, we we treat exactly. Lou as the audience. <laughs> he's he's the alcoholic of the group. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He's uh he's the one that he brings kind of, and it's interesting too because since we've started the podcast, there's so many things that we've mentioned that I can just tell, kind of go over or like 
he has more of a medical scientifical uh, view mm-hmm. on things. So we'll say a term that has a completely different meaning to him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what was it? The other, the other episode was biopic. And you're like, no, that's biopic. And I was like, no, no, yes. no, those are two completely different, <laughs> different things here. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's the uh, odd man out here. I love it. I love it. It's great. So make him, make him feel Use as much jargon as you can. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and start with everyone's favorite segment this week in Hollywood. Beth, you can take it away for us. I can. I thought oh, it was Isaiah. Isaiah. I, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's Isaiah. As your resident, uh, I'm going to say award show person, because, you know, everybody knows how I feel about the Oscars and such. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's the Golden Globes. Really? Design. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah we had a uh oscar party one one year it was uh it was sadly like one of the worst oscars was <laughs> i don't remember which one it was but it was it like was, oh my god it was the one not the last year but the year before that yeah it was the they oh it was the one when like not the will lose. smith one because that one was memorable oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was the chadwick was it the moonlight no, 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 actually. no, no. It was right. It was the year. It was the one. Oh, gosh. It's the one with Chadwick Boseman where they moved the uh, act, the best actor category. Oh, yeah. To the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, oh, by the way, he didn't win. Everybody's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was rough. Anyway, so uh, the 80th Golden Globes Awards have just happened this past week. And if you haven't watched it, here's some of the official winners for their categories. Best motion picture drama. The failed wins goes Steven Spielberg, obviously. Uh, yes. Best motion picture for musical and comedy. I'm going to butcher this name. The Banshees of Inishirin, I believe. I don't know. I'm it's not close. Irish. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for best picture animation is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Another winner. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Uh, my mom was very excited to see Pinocchio. because I highly recommend it. watching it. It was really good. Best TV series drama, House of the Dragon. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> yeah. And we have a best actor in a TV drama is Kevin Costner for Yellowstone. Best actress in TV drama is Zendaya for Euphoria. Yeah. Top tier. Um, and if you'd like to see the full list of winners, you can check the link in our Discord server on the News Sources channel. We'll have all the links there. Yeah, I, I, I read through that list and none of them were surprising, honestly, especially Zendaya. I was expecting Zendaya to win. And I'm hoping next year there'll be uh, The Last of Us will be on here. <laughs> <gasps> We need to talk about Ooh. that later. Have you seen The Last of Us? I, I have not. I will watch uh, it. Though, so, yes. uh, yeah, please yeah. do. It was it was really good. We won't we won't I won't spoil it, but it's one of my favorite. <laughs> it's literally like my favorite video game of all time. So I was so yeah. excited to see it. It's a pretty incredible game. I got really nervous because it's I think the only video game I've ever seen where like the cutscenes are more oh, impressive yeah. than the game. <laughs> I think too, like to kind of I guess piggyback off that because it's it can be a standalone movie basically like you could eliminate all of the gameplay and it would be its own thing and I think that's the only not the only reason but I think that's a huge factor as to why it's a good adaptation because a lot of video game adaptations it's like Halo where it's kind of like well that's more of a a shooter game than a uh, story driven, but we don't talk about the Halo TV show. <laughs> we don't yeah. talk about that. <laughs> it. Does not exist. That's <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> there is there is definitely like story to Halo, but it's just not featured uh, as a prominent uh, thing. I would say at all in the TV show. 
No, no, no. I'm not talking about the TV show. I'm talking about the, oh. the game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a prominent part of the game itself. But um, we've we've also been you know to get uh, collectively shitting on the idea that they want to keep making other video game movies. Yeah. Or shows like Borderlands, like um, God of War, God of War, Ragnarok, so on and so forth. But that's a whole other. I think that's, conversation. That's a have. whole episode in its own. <laughs> yeah, basically. Just video game adaptations. Um, I, anyways, Lewis. Yeah, yeah Lewis, Lewis, go ahead. Go back to. We'll go, we got derailed there. <laughs> Derail number one. It, that tends to happen a lot on the podcast. Um, it's official. An Amy Winehouse biopic <laughs> is coming with the spew of iconic musician biopics such as the latest Elvis, along with I Want to Dance with Somebody. Rocket Man, Bohemian Rhapsody, and more, it's no surprise that the famed British star deserved a film of her own. The film has been titled Back to Black after Winehouse's second album and hit song of the same name. Production is about to begin, so we can expect to see it on the screen in late 2023 or even early 2024. Wow, I didn't know. Do they say what production companies or talent or directors or actors or anybody? Do they give any? Yes, they did cast the actress. I forget her name. Hold on. I can find it in two seconds with the help of Google. I'm really excited for it, though, because I I, um, after I found out about it, I I got stuck watching all of her documentaries. Uh, Let me see. Her name is, I'm probably going to butcher it too. watch. Sam Taylor Johnson, screenwriter Matt Greenhall, uh, and then actress is Marissa Bella as as Amy Whitehouse. Yes. I don't know any of them. I probably do. I mean, meaning their work, but I just don't. That might mean it's going to be good if it's no one we've really heard of, you know? Yeah, hopefully. People come out into the industry and start swinging and be like, I directed that one. And they're like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just read an article. This is from, I don't know, L.com. Mm-hmm. It says the movie's going to focus on Winehouse's vibrant years living in London in the early aughts and her intense journey to fame. I think that means the drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm assuming. It's such a, oh my God, her story is crazy. And I think out of, I wouldn't, not that like Elvis and... Elton John and all of them didn't deserve one, but I think out of all the artists, artists, artists like biopics, artists, out of the um, all the biopics out there, this is the one that I think is the most interesting to me, at least. And it's more it's more recent too, because like I remember when this happened. You know, I was actually yeah. alive for it. So <laughs> it's yeah. um, there was another one too. Judy, did you guys ever see Judy? No, no. That was the one about Judy Garland. That oh, was good. With, uh, with uh, what's her face? Who I can't think of her name she right now. She won an Oscar too. Yeah. Um, wow, I can't believe I'm Isaiah, facts guy. Yeah, on, get on it. Google. It's it's gonna annoy me that I can't think of her name right now. I'm terrible with names. I know. Takes- I'm so bad with names. That's why when you asked me, I was like, uh. <laughs> her, her, her name is on the list. Like the tip of my tongue too. Crap. Mm-hmm. Oh. I know her face. Oh my god, it's Renee Zellweger. <laughs> Renee Zellweger. Oh, that's it. Yes. Yeah. I could forget she that. She did a phenomenal job. That's another movie I would yeah. watch if I were you. Um, because they, they focus not they focus more on like not her childhood, which I was expecting they would dive into more because it was a very dark um, upbringing that she had. But they focus more on like what happened after The Wizard of Oz, what happened during her like, I don't know, 30s, maybe. I don't remember her age during the time, but it was really good. She did. She did a great job. So, oh, 
I'll Anyways, derail number two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Let's see. Okay. One of my favorite directors. I've probably stated this in previous episodes is um, back at it again. Ari Oster. Um, he has released a trailer for his new A24 film, Bo is Afraid. Um, with his masterpieces in the past of Hereditary and Midsummer, uh, there are a lot of high hopes um, amongst fans for his new psychological drama starring the one and only Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, since it is an A24 film, it isn't entirely known like what the full plot of the story is since there's always something more hidden. Um, but after seeing the trailer, uh, I can't be anything but excited for the film. And it's expected to hit theaters April 21st of this year. So I will be in the movie theater that day. Yeah. I think there's another there's another movie coming out that day, too. What, on the 21st? Yeah, because I, I told Isaiah, I was like, we need to go see this movie. Oh, Evil Dead oh, Rise. Evil Dead Rise. Yeah. Yes. That's a that's a, just a great day for film. Come I on. Saw the, I saw the trailer <laughs> and I was, that is now. <laughs> I, not for you. No, he's not, not a me. he's not a horror gore no. kind of guy. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm I love like the Saw movies. The gorier the better. Yeah. And this movie looks this movie looks rough. It, it, yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. Ari Aster though, that's my that's my cup of tea right there. Oh I'm yeah. Very excited for that. That's the weird weird and and wonderful. <laughs> it's yeah, weird and wonderful is, that's the best way to put it. He's yeah. he he does horror in the way that I have always wanted because I feel like a lot of a lot of movies nowadays is just all cheap jump scares and it's like okay like oh shit on Bloomhouse Productions a lot because <laughs> they're kind of they just spew them out and they're all kind of predictable but like Ari Oster yeah. I've seen even his um his other films Munchauser that was his what? other films they're on yeah, yeah, I want to watch that. Yeah, they're on. Um, I think they're on. Both of the films, I think, are on YouTube. I could be wrong, but I watched both, and they're is if not equally disturbing, they're probably even more disturbing <laughs> than Hereditary. But and, and not to keep derailing everybody, but uh, Hereditary. When I saw that, um, I I have what well, he's now six, but I have a little a little son, and. I love when movies make me so uncomfortable. I can't watch them at first. <laughs> yeah, they're doing a good job. And there's a specific moment, just you know, spoilers. Things happen in it, and uh, I couldn't watch the rest of the movie the first time I saw it. I had to turn it off. I was like, nope, nope, yeah. nope, nope, not doing yeah. that, not doing that. It's it's definitely not for the the faint of yeah. heart. So I, I actually, she's mentioned Hereditary many times. I've actually wanted to watch it. My sister, when we were at dinner last night, actually spoiled it to me and my girlfriend because- No! It, I actually think you can still I'm watch still, it. I don't think it's gonna I'm ruin still gonna it. watch it. Yeah. It's not really yeah. gonna ruin it, but like she described the scene that you're probably referring to. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, wow. <laughs> um, it hits hard. It hits hard. It, it, it's definitely um, not filtered. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I like about him, too. He's not afraid to just be like out there. Um, Isaiah, <laughs> what's our next headline? Yeah, we're calling the skip on the horror. I not a horror person. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's just whoosh, right <laughs> over his head. Uh, so, OK, apparently fame is John Williams, obviously, behind Star Wars, Indiana Jones and so much more is apparently he had earlier announced that he was going to retire. 
and that is not happening. He is uh, still going to be composing the fifth Indiana Jones film, Dial of Destiny. Um, however, during a recent event celebrating the 50-year collaborative career with him and Steven Spielberg, Williams told the crowd Our boy. that we're there. This will probably not be his last project, and he plans on sticking around for a while. And he was st also stated that um, Steven Spielberg, he's a lot of things, and he, but he's not a man you say no to. <laughs> so he will be sticking around for a long time, probably. I am Fair. very happy to hear that because he's... I know Isaiah has mixed feelings on John Williams. He has a crush on Hans Zimmer, so <laughs> we'll we'll leave him to that. But John Will, I don't know. He's got a good he's got a good way of immediately hitting some sort of nostalgia. Yeah. Even if it's something new, he's just he's good. He's, he's I'm glad he's not retired. He's master at what he does, even if yes. it's not everybody's favorite. He he has mastered composition yeah. for film. Yeah. No, absolutely, and I would I would say within their individual uh, respects, you know, Hans Zimmer and John Williams. Uh, definitely, definitely like a, a very unique mind in music in general, not even just for film. Oh, yeah. They both bring different things to the table. Like, yeah. if you compared like Hans Zimmer, Zimmer's, Hans Zimmer's, <laughs> Hans Zimmer's like interstellar soundtrack versus like Jurassic Park, those are two completely different sounds, feelings, emotions and everything, but they're both like I can't even say they're equal because they're just it's like comparing tomatoes and wait what is it apples and oranges that's the phrase <laughs> I was like where am I going with tomatoes um but yeah I think they both deserve all the credit they get oh absolutely yeah I I have gotten John Williams uh once when I was very young I was a teenager but he has such enthusiasm and I because mm. I thought he was so old then and this that's like <laughs> I know I don't know how he's still kicking it yeah but I think it's that enthusiasm and I think that's what makes him still good like he's still sharp and just loves what he does so it's it's fascinating to hear that he's still going because isn't he nine I think he's 90 he's 90 he is, he yeah. is 90 years old yes Man. that's crazy yeah man Clint Eastwood <laughs> Yeah. Clint Eastwood's hey. 90? Oh yeah, what do you call it? Have you seen his last movie? He had a, he had like two threesomes in it. That was and he's like 90 years old. I'm like, what is going on? The man can pull, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what can we say? Oh god. The last thing I was going to say about John Williams is is the he he passed away recently, but um the gentleman who most reminds me of him for his enthusiasm of life and and just being like a, a brilliant mind overall. Um not a lot of people know him. His name is Dr. Oliver Sachs. Um, if you have heard of it, it's the man, a man who mistook his wife for a hat is one of his most famous books. He's a, he was a neurologist. I remember his Ted talks and like a couple other things that he did. It, it, it gave me the same enthusiasm for life, the same, um, unique perspective in his particular field as someone like John Williams. And they also kind of looked alike, but, <laughs> um, moving on from our, uh, I think third derail so far. <laughs> uh, it's just every headline. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, director Michael Bay has been charged for allegedly killing a pigeon while shooting the film, the Netflix film Six Underground in Italy back in 2018. Yeah. Supposedly, a homing pigeon was said to be killed by a dolly midway through its take. However, Bay has denied these tellings of events. Pigeons are a protected species in Italy, with a law stating it's a criminal offense to harm, kill, or capture any wild bird. Michael Bay stated, There is an ongoing court case, so I cannot get into the specifics, 
but I am confident we will prevail when I have my day in court. I don't, how did, like, it's just weird that it's five years later. That's what yeah. I think blows my mind. That's weird. And I just want to clarify for everybody listening, it, it is Michael Bay and not Michael May that's yeah. being... <laughs> Let's, let's just uh, yeah. Let's uh, clarify that one there. So you don't have a lawyer. <laughs> I'm hearing. Yes, yeah. I, I don't want to pay a lawyer, so it's uh, <laughs> I like any issue I run into. I do blame Michael Bay, regardless. So, mm-hmm. so do we. <laughs> um, actually, since we were just talking about book to film adaptations, um, the book "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret" has finally released its first theatrical trailer. Uh, the film is based on the classic 1970 Judy Bloom novel of the same name. Uh, it, it follows a young woman named Margaret who struggles with issues surrounding puberty, religion, family, uh, and school during her sixth grade year. So um, they've casted Abby Ryder Bortson, I think is how you say it, yeah, um, as Margaret. And then her parents are played by Rachel McAdams, my favorite. And Benny Safdie, I think is how you say his last name. And um, also the iconic Kathy Bates is her grandmother, which I'm also I love Kathy Bates. Anything she's in is immediately amazing. Um, So it looks like a promising coming of age film, guys. Coming of age film. Uh, And it'll premiere April 28th, 2023. So... That's another one. Look at that. It's like a week after the other two. It's going to be a busy week. (laughs) But um, yeah, that concludes this week in Hollywood. Finally, Um, you can find all of our sources cited in our discord channel. Now. Sorry, I'm still I'm thinking about Kathy Bates. Um, (laughs) So I guess now we'll kind of dive into more of you, Michael May. Oh, oh boy. The Michael, not Michael Bay, Michael May. (laughs) Um, We had a few questions we wanted to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'll go first since I'm already talking. Uh, So, you know, you you talked a bit about your experience in the film industry and that you've had such a, a expansive amount of knowledge thrown at you. So if you could give any advice to those that are maybe going into the film industry or are in it and need help, you know, what would you, what would you say? Yeah. The main, the main piece of advice I try to give is, uh, is just create. And it's such a general, like I even heard that when I was a film student and it's a bit like overwhelming, (laughs) Just create stuff. Like if you want to be a director, direct a short. If you don't have money for a short, make it for free. If you don't have a crew, do it yourself. Get some friends. And it's always a very daunting thing to hear that. Um, but I work begets work. It's very mm. true. Like uh, most of the work I've had in my career has come about from something small initially. Um, even... He said, yeah, the, the t- my, uh, my TV show is autobiography. I was pitching that around town for like five years and I haven't done any TV and TV's much harder to get into than film because it's, there's only a few networks, right? So there's, mm. there's just, not, it's not the same business model. So it's hard to get into and people in TV like to work with who they've worked with. 
Um, so it's, it's a bit of a club to get into. And so I was pitching and I was having a tough time and a friend of mine that I had made shorts and I had made short documentaries with, and I ended up producing some commercials with was working at a production company. I was pitching stuff to discovery and he's like, Hey, can we pitch your show? And I was like, yeah, of course. So that's just one example of how like doing these little small things grew into commercials, which then grew into a TV show. Um, I have a movie uh, that I produced called Ghost of the Ozarks, which came out about a year ago. And that team that I produced that with, I've worked with for seven or eight years. And we started, I started as an actor in one of their shorts that had no budget. And it was just like, oh, this mm. seems hard to do. And that's how I met them. And then here it is seven or eight years later, and I've worked on a handful of projects with them. And they're just love, lovely, amazing people that it's like, I don't care what they're doing. I will do anything they want with them. Um, so it's just create, create work. And even like my podcast, it, right now it's just me and it's small, but it is growing. And I, I'm doing it just to practice things, get better at it, test out some ideas. And my secret with that is I actually it was initially a TV show idea that I was pitching and I was like, Hey, let me create some buzz around it by turning it into a podcast first. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like, just try to create stuff, whatever you want to do. And nowadays content can be anything. It can be short videos. It can be YouTube things. It can be, oh, yeah. um, you know, a series on TikTok. It doesn't matter. Just create work because you will meet people and you'll hone craft your craft. And also you'll make mistakes. Mistakes are important. Yeah. Um, so make, make mistakes. Don't be afraid of that. That's one of the, now that, now that I'm 40 guys, uh, <laughs> that with confidence where up until about a month ago, I was terrified of mistakes. I still am. I'm, I'm terrible at that. I'm always worried I'm going to make a mistake, but it's like, no, 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 make mistakes. Cause that's mm -hmm. where you learn and things can happen. So I, I feel like I went on a tangent there, but my main thing is just just create and find people that also want to create stuff. Um, that's mm -hmm. where fun size horror. When we did that, um, we, we did a ton of work with fun size horror and it started with just a group of friends being like, Hey, we're tired of people rejecting our movies. Let's just make some shorts together. And that's how it started. And then it became mm -hmm. a business. So, um, yeah, just, just make stuff guys, just make stuff. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty great way to sum it up. I guess, I guess the best way I could say it, it kind of is just like, yeah, don't stop being creative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Isaiah, I think had a question as well. Yes. Yes. So, uh, I was looking through your work, uh, on IMDb of, uh, all, of all your stuff that you've made and producing. And I noticed that you seem to produce a lot of work with like darker tones. So I was wondering, is there like a thing that you're just attracted to like the macabre or something like that? So I've always loved, I grew up watching horror movies and, and I was born in 82. So I was like, as a young kid, it was the, the VHS go to Blockbuster, rent Friday the 13th and whatever else. And I had an older brother who was renting these scary movies. And so I kind of grew up watching scary movies. And uh, but I wasn't like a horror. I'm not like one of those hardcore horror fans. I do appreciate it. Um, but I've always been interested in kind of darker stuff like Ari Aster that we were talking about earlier, just mm -hmm. weird and dark. I definitely am a bit drawn to and not so much like the typical horror stuff. But I've produced a lot of horror mainly because I kind of fell into that world through the fun size horror production company that we had. Um, so that's where a lot of that came from. And I, I, but I do love mystery. I would say I like if someone were to compare, like, would you rather watch 
some new horror film from Blumhouse or would you watch an old episode of Columbo? I'm going to pick Columbo, if that <laughs> makes sense. Like, I love mystery. I love um, solving mystery. I love psychological thrillers is a good way to, to sort of put a pinpoint a genre more than just horror. Um, but yeah, a lot of the work I've done is just because I kind of I had a company that was doing that kind of stuff, uh, if that makes sense. And so those are a lot of the people I, I know. Yeah. Does that answer that question? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> okay. I don't I don't want to. I just want to ask real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Have you seen Glass Onion or like Knives Out? Oh, yeah. Those, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As soon as you said mystery, I was like, those yeah. are pretty good mysteries. It's, it's funny. And this will teach you something about Hollywood, too, because everybody's an idiot. everybody, including me, is an idiot in Hollywood. <laughs> I was working for a film fund like 10 years ago. So my job was essentially to try to find projects that they should invest in. And I would go to like Sundance or Cannes and all these like markets mm. and festivals to meet people. And I would meet sales agents that are like, hey, we want to do like a like a thriller. And I'd be great. What about like a murder mystery? And they're like, no one buys it. Old women watch murder mysteries. No one cares about murder <laughs> mysteries. And it takes one hit like Knives Out. And now everybody's doing murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, guys, I've been wanting to make murder mysteries my whole career. <laughs> no one really thought I was an idiot. And now finally they're, they're you know, they're doing it again. Because, you know, murder mysteries was a bigger, bigger thing in like the 60s and 70s. But I oh, feel yeah. like it's a genre that never, it, it will never die. So like, put some money into it, people. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I, I saw the, um, the original clue. And it was it was when I saw Knives Out, that's all I could really think about yeah, was I like it was like movie. I love Clue. Yeah, there's another one I want to reference because everybody's forgotten about it. There's a movie very similar to Clue called Murder by Death in the 1970s. And oh, God, now see, this is where I'm terrible with names. Neil Simon. <laughs> Neil Simon, the famous playwright, wrote it, and it mm. stars Peter Falk from Columbo and Maggie Smith and a million other famous oh. people. And it's a comedy. It's like a spoof of murder mysteries, and it's very funny. It's not as good as Clue, but it, like it is, it is very funny. I love Maggie Smith. Yeah. Uh, this comes from a place of you know I was in the service industry for about seven years. Um, thankfully, I'm out. But, <laughs> um, more so, you know, what, what's, do you have a particular story that stands out or like a favorite story of yours from your experiences in the industry that you like to share with people? Ooh, that is a good question. I don't know if I do, not to be boring. Um, no, 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 a, no crazy actors, no, no like stay on set kind of thing, like everything that could go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. How do I tell? (laughs) I don't know if I can say names. Uh, I the worst I I did have on the first feature I produced called Killing Zelda Sparks. Um, We were shooting in Canada and I did. I definitely had the worst day of my life at that point one day. And I'm not going to I'm not I can't tell specifics because it does involve name actors. Um, But essentially, we had an actor that misunderstood something in a contract and threatened to quit. And I, I basically had our, we were in the middle of the shoot. It's like that would have just completely shut down the movie and it would have never been finished. I, I about had a heart attack. Um, and, and it, we worked it out though and it was fine, but that was, that was a rough one. Uh, there's, it, it's funny because I, I tend to say 
work with people you like more than work on the projects that you think will be successful because you never know it's going to be successful. And so it's better to work with people that are good to work with because this industry is full of people that are not fun to work with. There's just so many egos and everybody thinks they know everything and they don't. No one knows everything. Um, and it's one of the 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 fun things, the more I've done this and been around it to to discover is that the people that have survived the longest, that work the longest, that become the most well-respected are the people that are nice to work with. And <laughs> yeah. there's all the horror stories of Hollywood that everybody hears. There's, you know, Lindsay Lohan came to set drunk and on drugs. And, you know, there's all these horror stories that everybody knows, but that's only 1% of everything that happens on set. Usually movie sets and TV sets, it's a working day and people are there to do a job and people are very professional. And the people that are not professional, they may, some of them get famous, but then they'll, they'll quickly kind of die out. Like you'll see like the star rise and the star will drop. It's mm. like the people that are actually good at what they do and work hard and are nice are the people that kind of make it through. I worked with a guy named Colin Fior, which if any, it's a name that won't jump out, but everybody will recognize him. We shot for 24 hours with him. It was a snowstorm. And oh we were so nervous because he was he's a name and he's done a lot of Hollywood stuff. And he was so pleasant and so understanding the whole night. It was wonderful. And it's like, no wonder he works all the time. Uh, Ghost of the Ozarks had Tim Blake Nelson. And he works on, you know, with all the, the Coen brothers, my some of my heroes. And Tim Blake Nelson was like very professional, understood everything, wanted to rehearse, wanted to show up early. It's like those are the the amazing things to discover. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, this business, the people that make it are the ones that actually do that. So I know that doesn't answer your question specifically. Um, <laughs> crazy, crazy stories. I apologize about that. I guess um, it's a good thing, though, right? That maybe. you don't have like a crazy story. It's just hard to kind of think of right off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like your answer is better. Um, than, than, a, than like one singular story um, and it also relates back to the same I experienced basically the same thing the service industry completely different ball game as to far as far as you know it's this is all stuff that's going to happen in that moment it's going to matter that day not tomorrow yeah and not months down the line but uh definitely would agree with the the sentiment of working with people you actually enjoy working with mm -hmm. and rather than um staying at a restaurant or or with a staff that you yeah. that could go wrong at any moment. Yeah. Hey, it's mental health at the end of the day. It's like you gotta you gotta kind of enjoy what you're doing as best as you can. Obviously you gotta pay the bills and you know you can't always control that. But like yeah, you don't want to be in a terrible situation with terrible people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you talked about the um the actor in your first film. Yeah. Uh with the whole like contract thing. And that reminded me of uh, when I directed a short film for school. Isaiah was there, too. He knows the story I'm about to tell. Um, <laughs> my main actor decided after like. We had shot, I think we had it was our was it our first or second day. It's like the second day. Yeah, our second day. So we had already shot a decent amount. We had four days to film and um, our second day in. And about halfway through the day, we find out that he was a SAG actor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we didn't have authority or like we didn't get authorized and like all this, you know, all the 
legality like behind it. And I had to that same day find a new actor. And we had to reshoot everything that same day. And it was crazy. And I probably would have, I mean, I did lose my marbles, but I probably would have lost more of my shit if I didn't have like, because it was, you know, it was a student film. So all my friends were there helping me and stuff. So like Isaiah calmed me down. I had like uh, all my other friends were just like, okay, it's okay. We're going to find someone like, don't worry about it. And we did find someone and we were able to, yeah, I don't know how we pulled that shit off, but we did. So like, yeah, I, there's anything can go wrong, you know? Anything. And that's kind of normal. Like, I think I've even had the same thing happen to me years ago when I was a film student. I feel like I went through the same exact thing. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It, I always say it's not a day on set if there's not an issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I yeah. tell people producing is because people are like, what do producers do? And I'm always like, well, it depends on the project. It depends on the project. Every producer's different. There's sometimes there's specific roles you have to do. Yada, yada, going on a tangent. The point is producing is just putting out fires. That's all it is. Yeah, You're just running yeah. around. And honestly, probably like the service industry. It's like you got to make sure the customers are happy. The hostess is fine. The reservations are, you know, like there's a million different things that go wrong in a oh, day. Yeah. And so it's just yeah. putting out those fires. Mm-hmm. With as little of commotion as possible. <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the ideal. Yeah. So I just finished my drink, actually. So... Lewis, do you have another one <laughs> that I can make? <laughs> uh, so this next segment, we call it Big Lou's Big Brews. I tend to try and find a cocktail that relates to the movie somehow. Um, and the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, all the cocktails tended to have a similar theme of having this like green color to reference back to the jello scene is this going to be green again no this is completely unrelated <laughs> oh thank god i'm just, I'm just okay. mentioning this for his sake but um the I, I tried to go a little different this time rather than looking for something that actually stuck to the theme and more just stuck to the theme of dominion we're going to talk about briefly the old dominion drink okay that i want to say this is basically paired with the old-fashioned you know like oh. this is the other drink you would go for Okay. Ooh, I do like the look of it. It literally does look like uh, with the oh, orange yeah. slice and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is called an Old Dominion. What it is, is you have, in this case, for this, um, since we're pulling it from the Virginia Rye Whiskey website, uh, you tend to use any kind of rye whiskey. But in this case, we're going to have two ounces of Virginia, Virginia Rye Whiskey, one teaspoon of honey, three mm-hmm. dashes of bitters, the orange wedge to garnish and ice, of course. Um, in your shaker, what you're actually going to do, rather than shaking everything first, you're going to stir your rye, honey, and bitters together until your honey is dissolved. Then you're going to add ice, bake, and strain it out into a fresh glass. Um, and then you're going to serve it over ice with a squeeze of orange. So you're going to have that lemon, that orange wedge on the rim for people to do for flavor as they like. Some people may just sip it straight. We're going to keep it a short and sweet one since it is a short and sweet drink. I think the is the only difference between that and an old fashioned the the honey. Or am I mistaken? Um, the old fashioned is going to you're going to actually take the orange and uh, muddle the orange itself. You use the mm. peel as like a little um, garnish. And you have a maraschino cherry, and rather than honey, you have simple syrup. 
See, I don't make the drinks. I just drink the drinks. <laughs> I, I was briefly a bartender uh, yeah. before I left the service industry. And even before that, I was just had a fascination with uh, mixology. Um, but yeah, I'm going to personally give it a four out of five. I don't know about Isaiah and Beth. And we could uh, even have Michael uh, yeah. chime in if he'd like to. I, I, I can't rate it because I haven't had it and I'm not going to have one tonight. But I would assume <laughs> I will give that a four out of a five as well. Good. Most of us have not had this. So, oh, so we're basically not having drink it. Okay. We, okay. we pure judgment. In this podcast, pure judgment. Yeah, your judgment based on um, you know, the the, the ingredients, ingredients. Yeah. and the appearance. Yeah, no, honestly, I think I would do four out of five. I would drink this in a heartbeat. That looks. Yeah, yeah I would. I definitely want to try one. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's definitely like a sipping drink. Mm-hmm. Isaiah, I would do a four out of five too because I just like I like honey and I like sweet drinks. I'm it's ironic. gonna say it's whiskey. You're not a whiskey guy. Yes, but I do like a four horseman. So. Yeah, he does. Have you had a Four Horsemen before, Michael? No, I haven't. What is that? It is it is the worst <laughs> thing ever to exist. <laughs> it, would, it is able like strip a car battery like level. Yeah. Okay, it's terrible. So before now that we've gotten our exaggerations in, um, a Four Horsemen, <laughs> the traditional recipe that I know is Johnny Walker, Jim Beam, Jameson. And uh, Jack Daniels. Uh, Some bars will swap one of them out for Jose Cuervo. I don't know why they throw tequila in there with three whiskeys, <laughs> but uh, it's just a shot. It's uh, three quarters of an ounce of each is a normal recipe standard. And you just take the shot at a bar. It's something that actually um, my good friend Beth's partner loves to have. We, we used to have them all the time. Um, and we introduced these two to them, and they hated it. <laughs> They're not really whiskey people like we are, but oh, Isaiah um, loves it. I just—it's yeah. just so—it's too right. much. It is yeah. a lot. I love whiskey. Like I—that's what I just had for a drink. I love to—I love to drink whiskey, but four whiskeys in one is just—it's a little too yeah. much. At my age, that's an instant headache. I can't. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. Oh yeah, that's the whole point of it. That's—that's that's yeah. our. We're out having fun for the night drink. You know, that's, that's yeah. my, um, I need to, okay, we're going to get lit. All right. I need to get started with something so I can yeah. at least get a Let me get an Uber. Uh, yeah. that, that's a, I need to forget what happened today. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. That's so. something we shoot, uh, Beth would have had at the end of the shooting day where it <laughs> was gone. Yes. Um, I think I would give that also then actually I'm going to give it a five out of five because there's nothing wow. about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's nothing about it that doesn't sound good, I guess. It's mm-hmm. just whiskey with honey and an orange, which is like perfect. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I say four rather than a straight up five, I'm just not that partial to rye whiskeys. I remember what, they, what the flavors like. But otherwise, I would say it's a pretty, pretty dang good drink. Uh, <laughs> and... Since we're talking about drinks, we're going to have Beth take it away for a moment from, with a message from our sponsor. Yes. I was like, what am I doing here? Oh, yes, I can talk about our sponsor. Um, we would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Shaker and Spoon. Um, if you haven't heard of Shaker and Spoon, it is a monthly subscription service uh, that gives you bar quality recipes and ingredients designed by award winning mixologists. So if you'd like your very own subscription, then you can head over to shakerandspoon.com. 
and use our promo code SIPS10 to get $10 off your first subscription. Um, again, that's promo code SIPS10, S-I-P-S-10 to get $10 off. Now, this is my favorite part. Well, I might be a little biased. Um, we're going to play a fun... Yeah, it's my segment. <laughs> we're going to play a fun little game. So, Michael, I usually don't... I never tell the guys what we're doing ahead of time. I usually throw them for a loop. So, nice. um, I I change it up every time. We did D&D, a D&D segment. Um, in the earlier episodes of this season, we've done trivia. Um, sometimes I just ask them questions, but... Today we're doing trivia. I thought that would be fun because now we have a new competitor. <laughs> so um, it's just, uh, it's more dinosaur trivia, which we did in the last episode, but I found better questions. Um, they're a little more fun. So basically I'm going to ask the question. You're going to buzz in. Whoever I hear first on my end. I will let you answer. If you get it wrong, the other person gets the chance to steal. And the first person to two, I think, wins. There's going to be four or three questions total. And then if you guys all get one right, I have a tiebreaker. So um, <clears throat> we'll start off with an easy question first. Um, so you can just say beep or whatever, whatever noise you want to make. <laughs> Usually I throw in a funny sound bite over it that has to do with Jurassic World. I have no idea what I'll do for Jurassic World. But we'll find out. So okay, so your first question is and I'll there are gonna be multiple answers. So I'll say the answers and then you can buzz in. So uh first question is what does the word dinosaur mean? Is it A outcast vermin? B, horrible bird, or C, terrible lizard? B, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. I definitely yeah. heard Michael first. Loop, loop that over everybody's. Uh, yeah, that sounds good. It's the, that's going to be the buzzing yeah. noise for everyone. Uh, it's the terrible lizard. Correct. All right. Look at that, man. You guys, he's already showing you up. All right. So the first question goes, or the first point goes to Michael. Okay. Second question. This is true or false question. Uh, the gigantic Brachiosaurus was a cold-blooded creature. True or false? Bing. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can't top that. Can't top that. Um, yeah. You said a Brachiosaurus. Brachio. Brachiosaurus, and it is a cold-blooded. It is a cold-blooded creature. Is that true or false? And that is true. <laughs> obviously, the next obviously the answer is obvious here. So we'll we'll just skip past that one. You guys don't get the point. Alrighty. Um, but you, I mean, I can see where you're wrong, or where you. I can see where you're wrong. Um, so at first, scientists thought that the Brachiosaurus was uh, cold-blooded, but then um, I guess more recent research actually declared it to be a warm-blooded creature which i thought was interesting i just thought all dinosaurs were cold-blooded mm -hmm. so um okay next question the stegosaurus and i said sorry we have this running joke it's stupid uh um 
Okay, so the Stegosaurus was around 30 feet long and 14 feet tall. All right, so what was the size of its brain? So is it A, the size of a ping pong ball, B, the size of a lime, or C, the size of a bike wheel? Buzz. <laughs> you got okay, a lot Michael. of good, good buzz sounds you can use. I, I'm going to say lime. Damn, okay, that's correct. Is that correct? Ah. Yeah, that's a lime. Well, just, no one else was diving in. I had a guess. Yeah, that was a, I mean, I made that one tricky. Was really that one, I had the correct answer, and then the other two I made up. I was thinking, I was thinking like, <laughs> I threw you guys off. Yeah, I was thinking, I was going to go, if I had done it, I was going to go with bike wheel and be like, that can't be right. <laughs> That's a big brain. That's a big That's brain. Huge, yeah. It's a big brain. Huge brain. Dinosaur. Um, all right. Well, I guess Michael <laughs> won. <laughs> what do I win? What do I, win? Yeah. What do I get? Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't give out gifts here. <laughs> You win uh, the love and adoration of our fans. Rights. Yeah. Yeah. Love and adoration. Um, I do want to ask my tiebreaker question because it's, I have it. So why not? Okay. This sure. one's for all the marbles. If Isaiah or Lewis can get this right, then they we somehow. Actually, we win instead of Michael. Yeah. You win. You will win nothing. If Michael gets it wrong, he still wins. <laughs> yeah. So, Michael, you have no, you, you can answer right away if you want. All right, which of these is not a dinosaur? Is it A, pterodactyl, B, megalosaurus, or C, apatosaurus? Um, Lewis. A pterodactyl. Oh, Lewis is correct. Pterodactyls are not dinosaurs. They are a group of flying reptiles. Yes. So there were no flying dinosaurs, technically. It was a, and then, then even in the films, they refer to them as pterosaurs. But, mm. uh, all right. Well, Michael, you, you technically win, but Lewis, you get a pity point. <laughs> I'm the guest. Your guests always get, you know. Yeah, they always get. They win. Yeah. Oh, exactly. man. Well, thank you for that. Was fun. That was good. That was, that was entertaining. Yes. I Definitely. was not expecting you to just nail it right away like that. <laughs> Sweep yeah. the board. Yeah, that and the uh, the buzz noise was also. <laughs> that was more welcome. Yes. Maybe Thank you so much. Future episodes. Great. Can't wait. Every single from now on until the end of time, that will be the buzzer noise. Fair. Um, so now that we've finished Beth's question, we have another quick message from a new sponsor. Uh, if you enjoy listening to movie related podcasts like ours, you're going to love Michael Blake Green Approved. It's a brand new co- podcast hosted by actor, comedian, and radio personality Michael Blake Green. With a new episode out every Tuesday, Michael talks about what it's like to be a working actor, shares hilarious stories, and promotes his upcoming comedy shows. He released a sci-fi short film recently called Anti-Artificial, which is available for streaming on YouTube.com. You can also find the Michael Blake Green approved podcast on YouTube or on the TuneIn app. We definitely recommend that you go give them a listen. Now, this is this is the fun. This is the fun one. As much as I like my segment, this is the fun. This is the fun part. This is the nitty gritty. This is where we get to learn <laughs> things. <laughs> learn things about the stuff behind the scenes, the great stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is Dominion. I know like the last episode, we didn't have a lot of facts because there was not a lot to be said. Um, 
I mean, have you seen the title of our last episode? There was not a lot to yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but this one, I did try to go deeper because it is the ending of like the entire franchise, technically, of mm. six movies. So I tried to go a little deeper for this one. So I ended up finding like a, an hour long documentary and a bunch of other DVD extras and stuff like that about this, about this movie specifically. This is why he's our research guy. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we're going to start off with and Beth will like this one because she always talks about the CGI and all the movies. Yes. This movie has the most amount of animatronics in the entire franchise. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Okay. I'm good. That's good. I'm I'm happy with that. Yes. So uh director Colin uh Trevorrow, I believe he didn't say his name, uh wanted to return back to basics in using more of animatronics that have actually be actually interact with pe- people and things instead of just being like ah Okay, they'll put it in post. <laughs> yeah. Um so he wanted to have them interact with stuff. Uh there was actually a whole department that they had created dedicated to it it was headed by a man named john nolan whose job title is live action dinosaur supervisor <laughs> <laughs> that's a good so one that's what he was paid to do he was in charge of all the animatronics and the puppeteers all the process they had created for this one specifically it was uh they would have all the dinosaurs created out of clay they would build all the details and then the clay models were scanned and turned into 3d models that were later used for the cgi but then <laughs> They were then 3D printed using um, special silicone and uh, styrofoams and stuff like that and put over mechanical skeletons. So that way the 3D models and the animatronics matched perfectly because they were all using the same exact assets. Ah, okay. That's why yeah, when there's certain shots that are CGI in the movie and there's certain shots that are not and they blend perfectly together because they're all using the same exact process because they're mm. all on each other. Um, now get ready for this name. Uh, the Giganotosaurus, all right, yeah, that's how I pronounce it. Giganotosaurus, that's the main uh, dinosaur that ends up in this movie, uh, fighting like the T Rex and all that stuff. Yes. And attacking the main crew. There, that was actually mostly just a head. The rest of it was CGI, but from like the neck up was what they built. It weighed nine tons. <laughs> Made out of what? <laughs> oh, it was a uh, it was mechanical skeleton, pilot, uh, polyurethane uh, shell, and rubber. <laughs> Damn, that's heavy. It is. And yeah, it weighed nine tons. It was mostly the, uh, what do you call it, the mechanical section, though, that made the head move because they had a bunch of different yeah. people uh, controlling the dinosaur head. And there's a lot of like little things that they had to add in order to get it to like look realistic. So when it roars, you'll notice that the neck jiggles a little bit, like it vibrates. And then the tongue, whenever it opens his mouth, will flap around. I did not notice that. It is very, it looks, it looks weird. Like when you're looking at it, outside of like the 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 scene and they're like building it it looks fake but then you're like wait a minute your brain is like holy shit that's real yeah <laughs> also the tongue uh was the size of a surfboard so <laughs> this thing was huge is an, i thought this you see when i saw that name of that dinosaur in writing the first time i th- really thought it was just like gigantosaurus so when yeah. they said it in the movie i was like oh Ah, uh, my brain's not gonna like that one. <laughs> it's funny too because even the production crew, like, there's like nine different ways to say the same name of Giganotosaurus. There's like six different ways to say it. Giganotosaurus. And so okay. all the crew, like, they, all the crew would be talking about the Giganotosaurus, but they would all say it differently. So they would all be talking. They all knew they were talking about the same thing, but you would hear like six different pronunciations at the same in the same conversation. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Now, according to production designer Kevin Jenkins, the three dinosaur showdown at the end of the movie was inspired by the movie The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, with the T-Rex being 
the good, the Giganotosaurus being the bad, and the Therizinosaurus, the one, the sloth-looking one with the claws, yes. being the ugly. <laughs> that guy was cool, though. I'm not gonna lie. Is there another yeah. category for just cool? Cool? No. The yeah. sorry, Clint Eastwood would not. Good, agree. the bad, the cool. <laughs> the good, the, good bad. the bad, and the ugly, and the cool. Ugly, cool. Mm-hmm. Now, the underground market that's uh, that takes place in the middle of the movie in Malta. It is actually a fully constructed set with space underneath the floors for puppeteers and spaces inside uh, hidden in boxes and tables and stuff like that so that everybody had a spot because most of the dinosaurs in there are actually all animatronic. So there's puppeteers everywhere. So at any given time that you're looking at a shot, there are about 22 puppeteers moving dinosaurs around. Just underground? Just, just there. Yeah, like there's the people you see, but the people you don't see, there's about 22 of them just hanging out there somewhere. <laughs> Crazy. Now, um, a little interesting side tangent: the fighting seat stunts that they were practicing. So they there's like a little knife fight between Chris Pratt and mm. uh, the guy they're chasing for the dinosaurs and stuff like that. They actually were practicing on a stage called the 007 stage. So I'm, um, yeah, they feel I guess they did it where uh, because it's all taking place in Pinewood Studios in London. So yeah. uh, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, James Bond stuff is there too. Now, the reason why that's interesting. Well, you'll find out at the end of the episode. Okay, continue. <laughs> now, for the chase scenes in uh, on the motorcycle that Chris Pratt runs through um, Malta with, they had a film camera attached to a motorcycle called a covert film bike, and and we'll have it in our Discord for you guys to see it. So, this first picture I'm going to send is actually the one used in. Oh, this is like the one they used in. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so this is actually them in on set using it. Um, and this next one is just like a picture of it that like it's better. It's a, like a cheese, like a full on picture. Yeah, that's a um, that's a beast. Yeah. So it, for those who are listening and you can see it on our discord, it is basically like a Ducati with a giant, <laughs> with a giant crane on the front of it with a camera attached to it and a mm-hmm. big on the back to keep it uh balanced you know, balance and stuff like that but it is a cool looking bike i'm sure it costs in like the tens of thousands of dollars to own <laughs> because oh my god they, yeah it is a company called covert that uh that built it and they rent it out and so it's a pretty cool looking bike Crazy. the only the only concern i have with it is like how do you see where you're driving i think the frame itself like a- is, is uh see-through like oh, the camera's hanging at the bottom there's like a gap you think mm-hmm. okay yeah that makes and sense so he, so he, so the driver will be driving it, but there's, there'll be two other people controlling the uh, cameras. Okay, okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. sense. So the driver just needs to know, know how to go a certain speed and not lose his shot. Break like a $20,000 camera attached to a like $50,000 bike. Yeah. More than that. More than that. Guaranteed. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, if, if, if it was Ducati, it was definitely more than that. Awesome. Looked, I'm not sure if it is a Ducati. Yeah, the bike alone, or I mean, the camera alone is. Probably it's triple probably whatever way, the bike yeah, is. Probably. Depending on... Uh, I can't tell what that one is. That almost looks like a red in that photo. Yeah, it does. The actually. second one. Yeah, the second one, I think, is the red. What's interesting to me, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't... It doesn't look like there's any stabilization on that rig. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, to keep it a steady The game. only place I can see where it might be is right above where the camera is. Yeah, that's what that, I was thinking. Like, that, like squarish thing with the yeah. little star design looking thing you know on it but like that's about it 
It can't be much, though, but maybe that's on purpose. Maybe they, they didn't want super smooth, I guess. Um, yeah. It's true. It could also be this the the piping part itself. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Because it probably it probably adjusts depending on kind of like almost like a like how a car would work with yeah. the. Yeah, that's that would be my guess. Every time I think of a gimbal, I think of like, you know, the the, the videos of the owls where they move their bodies, but the head stays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, I would love to drive this bike. That's my entire life (laughs) right there in that picture. That's my life's worth (laughs) right there. My gosh, that's expensive. Now for our next, uh, fact we have the Dimitrodon. I believe that's how you pronounce that. So they're the alligator, like, uh, dinosaurs that were in the Kate Amber mines that, um, they were going through now. I don't, I'm gonna exp- I'm gonna explain this, and it's not gonna do it justice because it looks way funnier if you look up behind the scenes for of someone in the suit because it is hilarious. Uh, but basically, there is a puppet a puppeteer actually in the suit, crawling on all fours, <laughs> controlling uh, the arms and the legs and and such, and then there on the back of it is a, is like this weird seat, and there's a guy sitting in it with a camera. <laughs> So he's sitting on the back, uh, attached to, to the base. So the guy's on all fours. And then on top of his back is this giant seat where the tail would be with a dude sitting in it, uh, which is who is in charge of the mechanical rig that moves like the head and the, oh, okay. the, the face and all that stuff. And then mm-hmm. there's three other puppeteers who are working on the eyes, nose, and mouth that are not attached to it. And they're literally, they have little remote control standing in the back. <laughs> so it takes about four people to run the Dimitron or the Dimitrodon. I. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make it easy. They do not. The Metrodon, no. I think, is yeah. Mm, that sounds scientific. I think it's that one. And now, so Chris Pratt in an Instagram video stated, and I quote, and it's very Chris Pratt. Well, nobody asked me, but I'll tell you right now. I took the Raptor training clicker, my knife, my boots, the pants, the vest, my Isla Nublar ID, and a Raptor tooth from the set. <laughs> so he stole all that. I mean. I mean, if I were him, <laughs> I think I would too. <laughs> yeah. I would try to take as little as, as, or not as little, as much as I could without being noticed. Now, uh, Sam Neill revealed uh, during this movie that he had actually found the original boots from the original movie that he kicked the dinosaurs with. So he stole mm-hmm. that. <laughs> so oh my God. <laughs> and then uh, Laura Dern revealed that she, from the original, actually, uh, so in the movie, you'll notice she wears a ring. And it's the ring that Sam Neill gave her in one of the previous movies. And she, the only reason they actually had it is because she stole it from the first movie. <laughs> and she's wearing it for nice. the last 25 years. That's nice. funny. Nice little, nice little hidden Easter egg. Uh, now, this is a little side one uh, that I found out while I was doing my research. If you Google a dinosaur, like especially like if you Google uh, the Giganotosaurus and stuff like that, they actually have sound bites of the dinosaurs, roars and breathing on Google. So they'll, you can click it and it'll it'll tell you what it is. And is like, this all dinosaurs, or is this Jurassic Park, Jurassic World dinosaurs? Sure, I googled a bunch of different dinosaurs, and I'm I'm sure just they're all popped up in Jurassic Park at some point because there's like 38 different dinosaurs in this movie. There was a so, lot. Yeah, this is this movie has the most dinosaurs of all of them too. Not just animatronics, but just in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now our final fact for this is that this movie. It took them 96 days to film. That doesn't include editing, but it took them 96 days to, to film a crew of 850 people. 
It includes 38 dinosaurs, eight sound stages, filming in three different countries, two production units, and a one-year delay from a pandemic. Mm. And all that, they still made this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and all of that, and it's still and it's garbage. <laughs> and those yeah. are all of our facts for today. Good job. Thank you, Isaiah. Yeah. Fantastic, as always. And now, I am, uh, I'm excited. Excited? I'm excited to, to hear opinion. everyone's, yeah, everyone's opinion on this one, because. The last one went so well, you know? <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the last one was so great. Um, what did you think? Actually, let me ask you, what did you think of, of um, Fallen Kingdom? <laughs> You know, in, in, in like a nice, like. Yeah, the most, most succinct way I can say what I thought about it is I don't remember much about it because. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just uh, try to try to forget it, if anything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I um, there was a lot with that one that I, I actually spoiler didn't. I liked this one more than that one, I think, yeah. which is not saying a lot. The bar is really low there. No, I, I would say there's a consensus on this being marginally better than Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, let's let let's let our guest go. And um, Ooh, if he likes the movie, then we have to change our notes. It's <laughs> movie. Yeah, I saw that night. All so right, let wrong. me just hold on. I got yeah, to all that of this night. off. No, that's a that's a low bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's funny because I, I don't actually like to say movies are terrible because it's really hard to make a movie, and there's so much that goes sure. into, it, especially like studio movies. You get in, you're getting notes from a million people. It's tough to do. Oh yeah, but, but it's a terrible movie. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, honestly, the more I was I was kind of thinking about it, like the night I watched it and I was like, why? Why do I not like the Jurassic World movies as a whole and specifically with uh, Dominion as well? And to me, it comes down to tone. You know, I think a good movie, a good filmmaker can can establish a world right away. There's a world, there's rules, there's tone. Tone is a big part of establishing the world. And I feel like Colin Trevorrow, everything I've ever seen of his he he's not very consistent with tone within a movie, not just like movie to movie, but within a movie and watching Dominion, it kind of jumps from like, this is an action adventure movie. Now it's a horror movie. Now it's a James Bond, but with dinosaurs chasing you movie. Now it's Maz <laughs> Eisley on Tatooine. Like when they went into the underground, whatever dinosaur market, I was just like, it's just like, what are you doing? And then the, again, spoil you guys already give this big spoiler thing, but like dinosaurs get out down there, but yet people are cheering and watching Chris Pratt fight a guy while Tyrannosaurus Rex is behind them eating people. Mm. And I'm just like, this is what, like what movie yeah. is this? And, and that's my big issue with all of the fallen Fallen King or whatever, the Jurassic World, that's the term. Um, and Dominion kind of kind of like pinpointed it for me of like just tone is all over the place. And mm -hmm. because you're doing that, like you're just not going to have a good movie because you're trying to do too many movies in one movie. Like that just complicates storytelling. Um, and, you know, if you go back to the original Jurassic Park, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, 
it's very simple when you really boil it down. Like it's obviously a tough movie you're doing with dinosaurs and all this stuff, but the story oh, yeah. itself is kind of like, here's, here's just a simple story and it's kind of a creature feature, but with dinosaurs and, and it's scary and suspenseful and takes you on a ride. Whereas Dominion uh, was just kind of like, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could sound more intelligent about it, but that's it. No, like, I mean, that was pretty well put. And you actually took literal notes from my page because I have word for word I wrote down is this a James Bond movie or is this a dinosaur movie? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah, when, it, you, when you mentioned the James Bond studio earlier and you're like, oh, come back. I was like, I wonder if she thought James Bond with this too. Like there's definitely James I Bond. Did, for That's sure. It. That's a letter um, box review says the same exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's just a, a general consensus, I guess. No, it's, it's absolutely a consensus. Um, yeah. I, the other thing I would have referred to rather than James Bond, I might have said Mission Impossible for that scene yeah. where they're being chased by the Raptors. Mm-hmm. But I would say... Well, actually, Michael, uh, did you have oh, yeah. a uh, out of out of five? What would you rate it? Uh, one. That's what we did on our in... last episode. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think it is better than the, the previous one. So maybe one and a half if you guys went one on that one. No, we, we, did do we one. ended up going one on Fallen Kingdom. I actually initially said 0. 0.5. <laughs> Half a star, yeah. but uh, no, I changed it to one at the end. Um, so before I, yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way before I dove, took my turn to dive in. Um, I, I felt the same with, as far as not just tone, but even the the pace, the story, the, there was nothing cohesive. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it jumped from, from different theme to different theme to all of a sudden now, like, I, I want to say after that scene in Malta, after all that, that's when the movie really, for me at least, seemed a little bit more structured, seemed a little bit more... Um, cohesive? Cohesive. You know, it kind of came together a little bit and it actually had, like, a story that made sense from where they were. Not from, like, anything you had in the beginning was not even, like, the most minimal setup to what you saw happen for the rest of the film. Um, I will say the action in the later half of the film, not the Malta scene, because that 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 was just trash. <laughs> um, but the later half of the film, the action, the the tone to it, um, all of that definitely light years ahead of Fallen Kingdom, and kind of played a, a bigger part in how I felt about the movie for the re- remainder of what I watched. Um, but still, it doesn't really get higher than a one point five, maybe even a two. If me. you're feeling generous, if I'm feeling generous, like if I had a drink in my hand and watched it again, I would say, it <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but no, it, it definitely um, that whole Malta scene, not not even the watching the T-Rex and the other dinosaur going off in the background, but it was just the 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 chase to get there and the introduction of this James Bond-esque Mission Impossible, like black market trade, like. We, we already just, lost that feat, we already did such a terrible job with that theme in Fallen Kingdom. I don't know why they needed to continue it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. Try again, but there was also something not to digress here, but when they sent um, Bryce Dallas, Dallas Howard's character into the underground, whatever. And I was like, and she's only a spy. She's suddenly a spy, but I'm like, she's a world. She was a world famous CEO of this yeah. dinosaur theme park. And if she's going into a dinosaur like thing, 
people are going to know who she is. And my wife, who was sitting next to me, made the joke. Don't worry, her disguise is Jessica Chastain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they want to know who she is. And I, I just thought that was great. That's good. That, yeah, that was good. pretty good. No, see, I, I, yeah, that was another thing I was going to point out specifically. Is that she went from like hardcore PETA activist to suddenly she can act like a spy in the middle of a random market. So then she's a terrified woman because of the ejector seat to then. Yeah. It's just the, the, the characters are all over the place. The, the theme, the tone. Everything. Yeah. So. What do you rate favorite. it? Oh, a two uh, you said, or a one and a half? One and a half. Two if I'm generous. Okay. Two if two you've if had I'm, a drink. Two if I'm drunk. Two if I've had a yeah. couple drink. Couple. Oh, wow. All right. Well. <laughs> I do agree with everything you guys have said so far. It is, especially during the Malta scene, everybody's like, this is James Bond. What is happening here? And then, yeah, I do agree with Lou that after that point, that's when the movie actually starts like, okay, if they had started from this point or like had a different opening scene and then gone from here, then it would make more sense. But the whole like the fact that, oh, Justice Smith works for the CIA now. This girl, this what do you call it? The guy from the first movie. He all he works for French intelligence. Like, okay, is everybody just getting promoted to intelligence agencies now? What's happening? <laughs> what do you really? think of your? Uh, what do you think of your character? Dude, we we say he that. looks like Justice Smith. I don't. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> is it Justice Smith? Is that the guy's name? The actor. Justice, the actor's name is Justice Smith. Oh, I cannot okay. believe you tell me tell you what his name is in this movie, but Franklin Webb. Why? Why do you know oh. that? Because I, I don't know. I don't. That's the one thing of knowledge I have in my brain today. <laughs> Franklin Webb is Isaiah. So uh, I did have an issue with them continuing this whole um, Maisie plot of being like, she is a she's part dinosaur or whatever the hell they're going with. And now everybody wants her again. They want blue, too. So we kidnapped a kid like it, I was like, OK, so we're continuing this plot line. I think we all universally agreed that plot line was terrible and not the thing to focus on. But of course, they decided to do that. So. Then of course she's now a like a rebellious child. Yeah, I had the same thought. I was like, of course she's a teenager now. She's all moody. The entirety of the plan is like looking for you right now, right? And you still are like, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm just going to go do what I want in town and all this stuff. Like even like the most sensible child is being rebellious. Sure, would have some sense of being like, yeah, maybe I should take a little more precautions so I don't get kidnapped, which is exactly what happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> but whatever. Nobody ever listens to anybody else in this movie. And it always drives Absolutely. me mad. Everybody's like, it's, it's so funny because it'll be like, don't move or don't go there. The next scene, they're there or they moved. And it's like, it, it <laughs> every time until like the last at the very end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And also the when the dinosaurs start chasing everybody, they just didn't shoot. They just didn't shoot the dinosaurs. The dinosaurs <laughs> are there. And the um, enormous amount of time for the lady to be like okay get all these guys let me point these lazy pointers laser pointers at everybody but like they know the dinosaurs are there to kill them but they don't do anything they don't shoot at them they don't do anything they let them get information they let them do their thing and then they start running away like they can outrun a, a velociraptor <laughs> Easy. Like, this, is, this is so stupid yeah, um, yeah, even on a motorcycle owen managed to outrun them with the plot is kind of i feel like the plot kind of regurgitated a little bit of that's a good term for it yeah because it's just the same plot again of um another company coming and doing things they shouldn't do they're making another sanctuary for the dinosaurs and it turns out that's not true like this has happened like the fourth time <laughs> yeah i do think it's 
Now, I don't know if anybody else noticed. I kind of missed the fact that Dodgson, the main guy, the CEO, he's the dude from the first movie who gave the barbasol can. To, oh, I did not uh, know that. I didn't realize that either. Oh, yeah. I, during my he research, old. <laughs> he got it's real it's, old. It's because it's not the same actor. That's why I was confused. Oh, how are yeah, we supposed so, to? Okay. So they were All trying right. to. So, and then I remembered in my, when Nedry was like, "We got Dodgson. Dodgson's here. Dodgson's here." And see, nobody cares. I was like, "Oh, yeah. right, it's the same guy." Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not the same actor. That's why I was kind of confused. I was like, "Why do I keep on referencing the Barbasol can to this dude?" And then, uh, mm. the other. yeah, that did but not I, click. Yeah, I don't feel like it clicked with a lot of people. So a lot of people were kind of confused on that, and mm. they probably could have done a better job of connecting the two. Yeah. Which, by the yeah. way, how did he get it back from Jurassic Park? And out of everything on the planet, I don't know. <laughs> it's been like 25 years, covered in mud. It's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's been blown up. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like Star Wars, where somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> somehow the Barbasol returned. <laughs> somehow the Barbasol returned. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's all my notes. And so I gave it a two out of five because i do enjoy this movie i do think uh, it's i do like it better more than the first one i do think this one's a bit of an adventure they kind of mm-hmm. did return to the roots they did back with animatronics they did come back with the original trilogy people which i thought was gonna be a cash grab but they did introduce them and include them in a meaningful way that it wasn't just hey guys look back we have them come see yeah. the movie come buy a ticket kind of thing so i i can appreciate that i feel like gold blooms inclusion was forced but it was in this me. one in this one yes in the in the previous ones not so much because he was actually like a a part of the story but yeah this one i felt like he was just kind of there in certain scenes until like towards the end i felt like he actually had a, a a role yeah so i think the first two acts are kind of not good but the third act is pretty good and that's what kind of makes it and that's where the action adventure part where the actual jurassic park stuff comes back and you're comes like ah, back okay. so that's mm-hmm. why like, we all so are kind of on that page is the you could skip the first or two-thirds of the movie and then enjoy the, the rest i don't think any of us watched the extended edition which is like two and a half hours two hours and 45 minutes something like that which is apparently the true version of the movie <laughs> that's fair isaiah already kind of i mean isaiah confirmed it i had an, i had a, a feeling that there were more animatronics in this film, and I was right, which I did like because I am a sucker for, you know, practical effects. I have mentioned this many times. There's just something about actually seeing people interact with something and not interact with something digitally that just makes movies a thousand times better. Um, so that was one of the things that I was happy to see. Um, and then I also wanted to talk about the there is one particular scene that I think should have been the tone for the whole film or maybe not the entire film, but at least felt like out of everything, it was the one scene done right. And you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. The scene where Claire gets ejected from the airplane and she's stuck in her seat and the whatever bird one what was it called I, something the the cool ugly yes <laughs> he shows up that scene to me the pacing the the intensity the 
cinematography behind it all is actually, I think, done very well. And it felt like it was not as not forced, but it just felt like it was done right. It felt like an old Jurassic Park movie from, from that first scene where we see the T-Rex come out and they're hiding in the car. It's like it completely different scenes as a whole. But when you like dive deep into the like thrill of it and the um, pacing and everything, they're very similar. And that that was like the one scene that stood out to me and how she has to like crawl quietly into the water and then she ducks under and you just pan down and the dinosaurs like, right. It's like, come on, that was done. I don't know if you guys agree, but I think that that was a really good scene. <laughs> oh, that was that was yeah. a beautiful shot. It, it was the best scene in the movie. And you're right. It, it's what Jurassic Park was supposed to be. It's it's a horror movie. It's a monster movie, but with dinosaurs. Yeah. And that's that's what it is. And that's what it should have been. Yeah. Yeah. Not James Bond. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, so, it's the one good scene in the movie, like in episode eight of Star Wars, where the hyperspace jump Mm-hmm. That's the only good scene in that movie. Silent, yeah. Complete silence in the theater. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, now that you mentioned Star Wars, I'm going to, I'm going to use, I guess, Star Wars as a comparison or as an analogy here, uh, quite a few times because I feel like it's a good, specifically, um, the Last Jedi, which Isaiah and Lewis know my opinion on the Last Jedi. Um, it's not that you loved it. <laughs> movie. Yes. Amazing movie. Loved it probably just as much as Solo. Um, (laughs) But The Last Jedi is a fine movie if it's standalone. If it's outside the Star Wars franchise and you're looking at it as just a movie to go to enjoy. I think it's a fine, decent movie. And I feel like that's the same for this one. Where where for um, Dominion, you can go... You can watch it. But if you're going in and expecting a Jurassic Park movie, you're going to be disappointed, except for the last third. Um, (laughs) You're going you're going to go in. You're going to see a James Bond Mission Impossible hybrid horror thriller, whatever it was. There was a lot of just like logistical things that bothered me. Like, how did they not have hypothermia when they fell in the water? And how was Owen not wet at how all? Are they, <laughs> were they not freezing? <laughs> they just were like not shivering at all. And I was like, you not just got dunked at all. <laughs> you just yeah. dunked into ice cold water and you're totally fine. Okay. Just take that freaking coldness. <laughs> I have to ask, Michael, have you seen all now of the Jurassic films? Yes. Yes, I have. Before. Great. Uh, we'll start with episode one. Jurassic I think we can. I, I'm going to I will stay state top tier. Yes. I, yeah, I, w- I would say it was the best one out of the entire series. Do, do we all agree? Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Easy peasy. <laughs> that was easy. All right. The Lost World. The second one. I barely remember it. Is that the one where the guy gets eaten by all the little lizards? Yes. Yes, it okay. is. Yeah, that's not the pterodactyl one no, in the no, mist. No. Okay, that's three. Okay, I want to say it's like middle, like B. I. What do you guys think? Thanks. It's third best for me. Um, 
and it's uh it's a terrible movie so it feels weird to say that (laughs) yeah but it's not the worst no no not at all but spielberg even admitted he's like i made that movie just to make money but you can kind of tell that he's (laughs) experimenting with stuff that you see later in Spielberg's career where he has these long complicated tracking shots with interesting blocking with actors and and things in it so I rate it third just because there's some scenes in that movie that I think are incredibly done from a directorial perspective movie itself is terrible but because of those scenes it's third best for me yeah so what do you what do you guys think I mean I agree with that actually so like B tier we would say yeah okay look at so far so good so far we're (laughs) jurassic park three let's hear mike let's hear michael's (laughs) so this is where i was like i think you guys will disagree with me because i heard your episode on this one i think it's the second best jurassic park movie um really yeah yeah i i rate all the newer ones worse than the three original ones um, That's fair. I would still put it in this kind of ranking. I would still put it as a B. I don't know if you guys do two movies on one. Together. No, we can. Yeah, we do. We've um, we've done that a few times. So you don't have to do that for me. I'm just a guest. You can do whatever you oh, want. I'm to- I'm totally in agreement <laughs> with B. I know what our previous opinions were watching it, but like thinking back, like the second movie was. Now that we've seen them all, <laughs> yeah. No, thinking back, yeah. like the the second episode, the second Jurassic Park was the the whole Ian Malcolm saving his girlfriend story, or whatever. Versus mm. the third one is like bringing back original characters yeah. and da da da. Like a different, it's a it's a different idea. So I, I would agree that it's probably a little bit slightly edges out number two, but it's still a B. Yeah, I think it'd be as well. I think it's. I just like the pterodactyl scene. So <laughs> that's, I don't know Wait, what it is. For three movies for that. Just for yeah. that scene. I don't know why. All right. Now we have the new trilogy, Jurassic World. I don't want to say A, but I also don't want to say B as well. I, I, I say A. I like A. But there's so many problems with it. There are so many problems. Also, how come like the kids are never discussed? They just don't exist after this film. Because we right. don't care about Karen. We care about Claire. <laughs> That's true. We don't care about the um, family that was about to get a divorce. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Well, we can't. It's not better than, it's not better than S because it can't be above Jurassic Park or on the same tier because it's not. But I personally is. think it's a bit better than the other two. Yeah, I would. I would. By marginal, just a little bit. Okay. Michael, so what do you say? In. Oh, I just I mean, I think that just comes down to a matter of opinion on that, because I can't argue that. Like, if you think it's better than the second and third original trilogy, I would say, yeah, I get it. I get it. Just my own personal opinion is slightly different. But like, I can't debate that because it kind of makes sense. Um, Yeah. Yeah. D tier at the bottom. No, Um, I think it's uh, Ace Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Just so relaxed. I mean, because well, like, I also agree. I don't want to admit that Jurassic World has anything good, but <laughs> to revive a franchise, I have to give it that. Yeah, um, or at least attempt. The Fallen Kingdom. Are we just gonna leave it in D tier? Yeah, we're just gonna leave it there. Uh, oh, I thought we were just gonna throw an F tier and put it even lower. <laughs> yeah, I, I um, I think it definitely deserves D. D. Okay. Okay. And now Dominion. C. I would say C. Yeah, it's, it's fill in that than... gap. All right, so then this is the official list we have. Uh, 
at number one, Jurassic Park, the OG, the original, the best. Um, number two is Jurassic World, the first of the Jurassic World trilogy. Then tied in third place, we have, what are those? Jurassic Park 3 and The, the Lost, Lost World? World. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then in fourth place, we have Dominion and in fifth and final place, <laughs> Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> Honestly, shouldn't even be on the same tier list as the rest of these, but. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well, I'll add, another, I'll add another tier at the bottom. Garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we don't discuss it. That's that's it. Um, well, thank you, everyone. And thank you, Michael, for joining us on our season finale for season seven. Oh, it's a lot yeah. of fun. Oh, it, was, it was it was truly a pleasure uh, to have you for the season seven finale. We talk about this kind of stuff all day long, so it, it oh, was yeah. easy to say, yes, let's do this. <laughs> um, now, if you have anything you want to plug at me, socials sure. or anything like that, you can go ahead and throw yeah. that in now. I'm uh, I'm not good at social, but I am trying to get better. So you can find me. I only use Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I think I'm Michael May official, I think is what my name is. Um, and my podcast is on there as well, which I run, which is at a study of strange. Um, yeah, and I'll plug my podcast to stay tra- of, of strange. I can't talk, but it's uh, <laughs> trying to talk on the podcast. Um, but I'm really enjoying it, and I have some cool episodes coming out. Uh, Laura Moss, who's the director of a movie called Birth Rebirth that's premiering at Sundance this week, is on my next episode. Um, and yeah, I've just been really enjoying it. So I like pushing that. Uh, but also uh, a movie I produced called Ghost of the Ozarks that came out maybe six months ago is on, I think most of the streamers or like things it's out there somewhere. <laughs> uh, I, I should have paid more attention before I came on a podcast and 12 hour shift, which I also produced is out on most streamers as well. I know it's on Hulu and stuff. And what else? Is there anything else? I think that's it for now. I'll stop with that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> things out. Well, yeah, good. Definitely go check out his, um, podcast for sure maybe we can have maybe we'll come on your show at Honestly, some point yes we can trash talk fallen like, kingdom or something yeah. Yeah. <laughs> gotta have a mystery yeah. we gotta find the mystery angle of it and then we'll do that oh yeah, yeah for sure um what good writing yeah. <laughs> um but yeah go go watch any of all of his work on all of the streamer services that he <laughs> said. <laughs> Actually, there is one more I want to push Uh, a movie called Next Exit. I have a small part in um, directed by my dear old friend, uh, Molly Elfman, is out on most streamers as well. Right now, it premiered in November. And so that's how and that is a ghost story. But it's actually more of a more of a drama. It actually looks and it takes Mm. a different perspective of a ghost story. And it's really smart. And uh, the everybody did an amazing job with it. So check that out. I do okay. like ghosts and I do like anything paranormal horror related. That's this like to the you're going to you're going to see it's very different. So I oh, definitely I'm intrigued. It. it is different than you've okay. ever seen in a ghost story. Yeah, for sure. Well, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Everyone go check them out. And while you're at it, um, share this episode, share this show with your friends and family, because it helps us a lot. Um, and it allows us to bring guests like Michael onto our show. and talk about all sorts of different things not only I trashing movies but... so many tangents earlier that's probably uh, my 
not your fault. Do we do that every single episode? Every episode this happens. And they're all of the listeners are used to it at this point. Um another quick little announcement. Next week is our listeners episode. So be sure to send in any movie suggestions for movies you guys want us to watch and review and rate and shit talk or love. Probably shit talk because we hate everything, apparently. Um but yeah, you can send that to us at silverscreensips at gmail.com. You have until next week to send that in. So try to send it in soon. And yeah, thank you to everyone for sticking around for seven whole seasons. That's a, it's a, seven it's a big one. Gee. Yeah, we <laughs> we uh, we're um, actually not far out from our one year as a Night. podcast. So yeah. we're going to we're going to be recording on that day, too. So it'll be a, a big a big episode as well. Um, so now that we've reached the end of a franchise, uh, you guys know what that means. We're going to be posting a poll, which is where this is where James Bond comes in. Um, <laughs> we're going to be posting a poll about what franchise we'll be covering in the next season. So that poll will be out on Instagram now as this episode airs. So go check it out. Your two options are going to be James Bond, the Daniel Craig version, and then also Hunger Games going back back to when i was like a teen yeah go vote now it'll only be up for today so today meaning monday and we will see you guys in our listeners episode and uh thank you again michael it was a pleasure meeting you and um just i don't know talking yeah. shit <laughs> i'm never good at these outros man yeah yeah well, thanks guys thank yeah you. thank you it was genuinely a pleasure